he literally is the big middle finger to the woke yep. to the woke society that's been happening. And now for something completely different. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. This is the like a like almost like a Stephen Colbert uh, live election night coverage type of a <laughs> uh, of an episode. This is Mariah Perrick that I'm talking to. She's been on the show for a number of times. Hey guys. And there, and and she is a uh, well, she's a nurse and also a mom and also educated and also uh, been doing a lot of work in charity and also uh, highly aware and woke. And so that's why she's on the show. Of course, you've been on the show a number of times. So let's wrap our heads around this thing. First of all, there is still a really good chance that Biden is going to make this happen, right? The way that it looks. And that's, I mean, thank God for that. Even though, sadly, the way the Electoral College is set up, it, it, I mean, he's like kind of squeaking by marginally, yet he has had right. the, he has gotten the most votes of any uh, presidential candidate ever. The thing that I, that I want to throw out and that I want to talk to you about is the fact that there's been a number of articles online just over this past 12 hours, and they've been directly related to the fact that even if Biden wins, this is not a huge blue wave. This is not, you know, mm-hmm. 70% of people giving this a man, giving him a mandate. This is not a big, ch- this is right. not, this is not looking back on four years of just absolute shit that's been going on. The, the most vile like lack of character, malignant narcissist to ever walk the face of the earth. Yet you still have millions of people pulling, you know, the ballot thing for them. I just, sadly, it creates no winners here. Mm -hmm. And it puts us in a position where I think we have to finally come to the reckoning that there are just so many people out there that, are just like that and they don't care yes. about character and they don't and they're too scared about their own white heritage culture you know long standing hierarchy of, in terms of the where where things used to be and scared mm-hmm. to death about change they're just scared to death about change i mean what what's your perception on all this I mean, I think that you have hit the nail on the head in the past in terms of people being afraid of what they don't know. So I think that education is uh, the silver bullet, as as Bartlett says in the West Wing, um, that we need to find a way to better educate people, not just in the mathematics and science and reading and writing and all that jazz. Like we, we need to have a global perspective because we're, we're a global society now. We're not these, you know, individual states kind of working in silos. We are all interacting and traveling and there's all this cross cultural stuff going on. And so I think that's a big piece of it. The other big piece of it that is just mind blowing to me is that I continue to talk to friends and acquaintances who voted for this man in 2016 and voted for him again this time. And When I say to them that I am just so incredibly frustrated because of his homophobia, xenophobia, whatever, they still say, well, the media, you know, the media sways one way and people lie and there is a lot of good that he's done for the economy. And I'm like, first of all, false. Second of all, fuck the economy. If you can't even guarantee basic human rights, 
what the hell are we doing? What do you think? It really, are you, what do you th- kidding me? What do you think it really is? Because they, they have they have no factual base to stand on. So really, for the people that you know that ha- that had voted for him, what do you do? You think that it's that whole fear of change? I think fear of change, and I honest to God think that there is like a selfish mentality of well, I understand that. There is a lot that's better for other people, but for me and my family and my small business and my town, this is what's best. And you know what? Look, I respect the fact that people put their own families first. I get it. My family comes first in my world. What I don't understand is how, for example, as a mother of children, you can look at how a man treats other women or children in cages at the border or in our society at large, you know, we we fight and fight and fight for the unborn and then the child's born and we no longer give a shit. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. You're not our problem. Make yourself something mm-hmm. like I know I'm an idealist and I'm a total empath and a liberal through and through. But come on. Like, how do these people sleep at night? But that's the whole point, isn't it? The point is, is that their focus is on just themselves and it's and it's yeah. a, it's a selfish, you know, non-team type of thing. So the question is, because I read something on Reddit and it was a great stream and the guy had a really good point. He said, you know, you guys are sitting there and you are, you, know, you guys, you, all these, all you woke, newly woke people, which I include myself. And I've yes. said that before. I am. I. I. I mean, for the record, I. I've been. I have. I'm still a registered Republican. But the second all this is over, I will not be, because I'm changing. Because I. Because it doesn't represent me anymore. But right. that. But that's where I was. I mean, I grew up in conservative Orange County, Southern California, mm-hmm. and it was all about me trying to get my thing, and doing mm-hmm. and doing what's best for me. And so I can understand that that's that mentality, but. And, and the, what the Reddit guy said was, it's been going on for 40 or 50 years is what this guy was saying. And I'm assuming it sounded low. He was black at the in terms of how he was mm-hmm. writing it. He was saying, listen, all you woke white people. And I don't take offense to that because it's true. No, right. But, but he's sure. saying, he's saying you, you know, you think this is all this is new and this is, you know, this Donald Trump is this new thing and his new metamorphosis in terms of the, the anger and the hate and the bigotry and the racism and misogyny. All, cause he goes, that's been around for forever. He said, just the whole point is, is that now there's a voice to it and people are coming out of the woodwork and saying, yep. uh, and saying, oh yeah, this guy's finally speaking all the fears and all the anger that I've had for so long because I'm just, that's just me. I'm entrenched in tribalism and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm unwilling to bend and weave and change and expand into this new reality that we have. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was his, and I thought, shit, that kind of has, he has, he's a good point in that. Maybe that has been the case. Do you think there's any merit to that? I do, because, you know, as we've said and read, racism, for example, systemic racism has been here right along. Right. And I myself was somebody who for years thought, OK, well, in, in this little bubble that I'm living in, it it's not racist. We're good. We we love everybody. It's fine. I'm at, I'm at college and, you know, there's no racism here. But then when I started to learn more and hear the words that Trump was saying and how it was just igniting this racist response, like people coming out of the woodwork that had never had this place to feel confident voicing their racist opinions. Now, all of a sudden, it's all good. And so now I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. 
there was a lot more going on than I realized. Mm-hmm. And we're not as progressive as I thought we were. And now I'm reading, I'm reading these books and I'm learning as much as I can. And I'm seeing that there's so much more beneath the surface than I was ever aware of. Yeah. Like, I mean, the electoral college alone, I mean, learning that when we used to say that, uh, the black man was worth three fifths of a vote. Yeah, I mean, the compromise. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, this is like this shit's been going on for years and years and years. But I think because so much has come to the surface, this like gross bubbling of awful, <laughs> we're finally starting to wake up and do more investigative research, and we're seeing that what's been going on for a long time needs to stop. Like we need to do better. We need to do more work. So how do you go about changing the fact that, that, and again, this is just statistical. Most of the, of the base, his base are non-educated white, blue collar males. Yep. Most. So, and then you're dealing with like, and that kind of fends to the rural and and non-professional in terms of like finance and all that kind of stuff that happens on the coast. So Mm -hmm. how do we start bringing us ourselves together? Because at this point, nobody has an answer. It's no surprise that big cities tend to be more democratic um, and have more empathy for those who have either been marginalized or who have who are different from them. And it's because they're their neighbors. I mean, they're entrenched exactly. in a very diverse right. world. Right. And you have so to learn how to get along. To hate, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard to hate someone once you meet them and mm-hmm. you talk to them and you understand them as a person and not just some sort of a figure in your imagination. Well, when you're living in rural America and you are surrounded by people who are just giving you their own perspective without any proof of anything. I don't know how we undo that unless we get right to the root of it and make it something that we teach more in the classroom. Can't get these people to move to the city or start traveling around the world. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Yeah, it was kind of a rhetorical question. I didn't mean to really like purposely set you up for a question that that has no answer. I'm actually looking for an answer myself. I really don't. I don't have one. I'm and I and I'm looking from a like a basis philosophical standpoint I'm looking for from a, you know, cognitive behavioral psychological or humanistic type of a perspective on this. There's, it's such a rift and it's such a diversion. It's such a bifurcated reality. I don't think there's a, a need for better understanding. I think we both understand each other pretty well. Yeah. But the trap here is the fact that they don't want the educated people, the elitists telling them what to do. He literally is the big middle finger to the woke yep. to the woke society that's been happening. Yep. And the, and the fact yep. is and I've said this before and I'll say it again, the technological and the internet revolution that started all mm-hmm. of this and we can't put the genie back in the bottle. So no. we have to figure nope. out so we got to figure out something here. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. It's been great in so many ways because we're getting so much more information and we can really understand our candidates better in some ways. But in another way, it's been horrible because it has created so much confusion and has removed so much trust in journalism. It's removed trust in the medical community. We literally have doctors who are trying to tell people that they're not lying or being paid to inflate COVID numbers. Unbelievable. They're actually, 
like most of them have right. taken paid cuts. Yeah. Most of them have had hours reduced or yeah. have had furloughs. Like this isn't a money making scheme. Right. We're we're just trying to save lives. That's Un- it. Unbelievable. That's it. We don't care. Just 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 well, the he, balls on somebody to go out problem. to go out there and say the doctors are inflating the numbers because they want more money. That's it's a, it's it. so inhuman. Yet it's so inhuman. Yet people don't care. They don't. They just don't care. They don't care about character. Doesn't matter right now because he is the representative of them and their culture. And what's so scary to me is that first of all, they keep saying, "Oh, make America great again," and I'm like, "Make it great again? Great for who?" First of all, well, that's the, great. That, great for who? That's the okay. point, right? Yeah. So, like, right. That doesn't really work, right? I think that's the point he's trying to make. Yeah, but, yeah, but. Again, that's Not a dog. That. That's a dog whistle. The it's whole thing's a dog global, whistle. But like, also in the global society, we've become we're not respectable anymore. Not anymore. Like the global no. community is just shaking their heads at us and looking at us like we're the laughing stock of the world, and that's not great. We used to be the beacon of hope and light. Maybe we weren't supposed. Maybe we weren't supposed to be in the first place. Maybe the you know no, basically no maybe the curtain has been drawn and people have seen or the other countries have seen that we're a big fraud. In fact, I even oh, yeah. I said that last week in the show. It's sad to say, and I I don't like to be a part of that, but I am. I mean, it's we were yep. all here brought up in the states to believe that we were the shit, you know, yep. leader of the free world, yep. the liberty statue, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now it, you know, it's just not the case. I think it. I think things have been exposed, and and we just it, yep. in in the you know where do you go from here? I think I think with the new administration, he'll be able to do something with it in regards to repairing that but the damage has been done the fact is is that this movement this trump even though he'll be out of here and probably living in venezuela that movement's still here and it will be here those people are 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 not going away they're not all of a sudden going to college or or learning more becoming more woke on stuff they're still going to be bitter and they're still going to try to hang on to their culture for dear life what i'm trying to do is a raise my own kids to be as woke as possible from an early age and to understand the benefit of doing for others and thinking of others and being accepting and trying to expose them to as much as I can. Being involved in my own community and getting to know people on both sides of the fence, because right here in my neighborhood alone, we've got Biden-Harris signs and Trump-Pence signs, and they're all lovely people. It's not like anyone's terrible. I mean, we have a very tight knit little neighborhood. So continuing to have those conversations and humanize people who are on either side of the fence versus just all hiding behind our keyboards, feeling pissed off is one way to keep the conversation going. And Mm -hmm. I think really above all is having the, the balls for lack of a better word to stand up and call people out when you need to. And that's something I've always struggled with as a perpetual people pleaser. Like, you know, I've gone my whole life just trying not to stir the pot, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of over it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm 35 and I'm, I've mm-hmm. done my time being a very sweet yes girl to everybody. And now I'm kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to call you on your bullshit and it's not going to be pretty and you might not like me. And that's okay. Love it. That's okay. Love it. <laughs> You know, you know, it's so that's fun. my plan. My whole thing has been over the years, and I've been doing this for almost 10 years now, the um, the Surround of Idiots thing and the, my Java book mm-hmm. stuff. My whole thing has been uh, more from the virtuous, stoic, foundational stuff, right? Uh, empathize and understand and, you know, different worlds. But when it comes down to basic human rights and decency, 
that's not fine. And I'm not going to put up with that crap anymore. And every time I start to <coughs> waver or feel like, oh, you're not seeing both sides of it or whatever, is I think back to uh, some quote I read at one point that was like, if you ever wondered what you would have done during the civil rights movement or what you would have done in Nazi Germany, just look at what you're doing now. Right. right 100%. Because those people didn't think they were monsters either. They had all kinds of justifications. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day about how the very first reading I did in college as an 18-year-old was of Mein Kampf. That was my first assigned reading. Wow, no kidding? And I just remember the, the biggest takeaway for me reading it was that when you read the book by Adolf Hitler, you don't feel at first like he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's a monster and I think he's terrible. But when you start to read the book and you see the rationale and where he started with this idea, you almost feel a level of empathy. Like, well, that must have been really challenging and your businesses were suffering and you were X, Y, Z, right? And then over time, you see how this idea to try to help or make Germany great again Mm -hmm became this movement, how that spiraled just because so many people immediately latched on to this idea and so many people were afraid to do anything to stand up against it. Yeah, it just it got away and, from them. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I know that's extreme, but I mean, I always go back to these thoughts where I'm like, if you don't stand up now for the things that you know are wrong and you make your voice heard, you're no better than any of those people. And you have to be better than that. Do you think that uh, because of the all of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests that have been going on, all of the other protests in terms of the inequalities and whatnot that have been happening, do you feel as though that that has taken some level of hold to where we can build upon that going into the future? I do. I do think so. And I think if anything, it's given a lot of us more of an insight into how the systemic racism has taken hold here and is giving us concrete ways to try to dismantle it. And I think that's the problem. We, you know, not the problem, but the solution is that we need to stop sticking a bandaid on everything and, and just pretending that if we're nice to people, that's good enough. We need to find solutions and start to level the playing field and support people actively. And it's not just about what we say and and how kind we are and how we smile at people. Like there's much more hard work to be done than that. And I know this is going to sound cliched, but I, I do believe it. Regardless of what happens in this election, the work is not over either way. We can't get lazy or complacent, even if our candidate wins. The big thing here is that We have brought to light a lot of problems that we had been ignoring for many, many years. Well, now we know they're here and they're ugly. They've reared their ugly little heads and we need to get to work and continue to focus and not get lazy. We have to do it. We have to make our communities better. We have to teach our children better and we have to get involved where we can. And if that means that some of us start getting involved in town politics to start, You know, let's just do it. Let's do what we can do. Use our skills and our gifts to make things better. Well said. That's well, yeah, you. yeah. That, I'm not, I, I have nothing to add to that. It's perfect. You can go to javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D for anything, uh, other podcasts and whatnot, and book links and all that fun stuff. You can get a hold of me at Tony at javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D. Uh, have a good week, and I will talk to you soon. 